Lord, teach us to take this holy season to our comfort. And grant that we may so root out those things that are displeasing to you in our lives, that we may be at willingly acquiescing in the filling of your spirit and walking in peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. <coughs> Today begins a series. Throughout the season of Lent, we are going to explore a part of the prayer book that is often ignored. So if you would like to open your prayer book to page 316, we are going to become very acquainted with this part. Page 316. It is my hope that having done so, will all, as a community, have a sharper idea of how it is we are to spiritually prepare for each and every Holy Eucharist. There used to be a joke that wherever you found four of the Sicilians, you would find a fifth. <laughs> I would like to amend that slightly. <laughs> to wherever you find four of the Sicilians, someone expects Eucharist to be celebrated. Since the early 1970s, we addressed the fact that the early church, uh, the celebration of the Eucharist was a weekly event, not a sporadic or monthly one. There's been an entire generation of folks who do not know any celebration that does not involve the Eucharist. Our Anglican tradition is a long and beautiful history of things like simple morning prayer or a sermon litany as we did this morning, or some matins and even song in high church places, or contemplative celebrations of Christmas, or even services of baptism and confirmation that did not include a celebration of the Holy Eucharist. The fact that the Eucharist is our default celebration is both vain and blessing. It is a blessing that we understand that we approach the table simply because we need the sacramental touch of Jesus, but we also tend to gloss over the preparation part. So this Lent is about preparing ourselves for Easter, and it's the perfect time to talk about how it is that we receive the sacrament in a worthy manner. The first paragraph of this treatise we call the Exhortation, which used to be read publicly in churches, this first paragraph of the Exhortation speaks of Jesus' reason for even giving us the Eucharist. We read it as a sign and pledge of his love for the continual remembrance of the sacrifice of his death and for a spiritual sharing in his risen life. So the Eucharist gives us Jesus in tangible form that we not only remember with our mind, but theologically, we remember or reassemble, if you will, the church. We are made one with him. And as we are made one in his body, we are made one with one another as well. While we can do morning prayer or evening prayer as individuals, we cannot have the Eucharist as a solitary. 
Even a priest cannot say a mass alone. It requires that at least one other be there to provide the responses and to receive alongside us. This can have problems. We have any hint of dissension in our church. We need the Eucharist to witness to our unity. You will recall there's a warning given in one of our offertory sentences that's taken from St. Matthew's Gospel. We don't hear it that often, but I think it's important. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then offer. Part of your preparation is making sure that we are in harmony both with God vertically and horizontally with one another. In fact, so important is that harmony that if we priests see that any person is a scandal to the church's unity, usually because of what the prayer book calls notorious and evil living, we can interpret that as we have to make the decision to privately tell that person or people that are causing the dissension, the wound on the body, that they need to cease receiving communion until they have demonstrated repentance to the parties they have harmed. It also means we have to really quit here in five minutes. But our celebration must maintain what the Holy Communion must give to each member. And for this, we look at the second paragraph. Paragraph two, Eucharist means thanksgiving in Greek. It is as a sign of the church's thanks that God created us, continues to care about the affairs of men and women, and loves all of his children so much gave himself to death on the cross in order to bring us everlasting life. So, for the rest of Lent, we're going to explore this exhortation piece by piece. And I ask that we, as the St. Paul's community, look at how we might better prepare for our own reception of Holy as the weeks go on and we dig into the heart of what it is to live the Christian life through this most comfortable sacrament, I pray that the process leaves you knowing our Lord's love for you more nearly each and every time he is placed 